0: We'll open up just with reading um, the first chapter of 2 Peter, and then we'll go into prayer, and then we'll just dive into the section. Um, So, I'll read. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which ha, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust but also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be, more, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my... Decease, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, and so we have the the prophetic word confirmed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, uh, this wonderful morning um, to fellowship and to grow closer to you, to learn more about who you are and your truth in Scripture. Um, thank you for the infallibility of Scripture and that we know that it's truth and that um, we can build our rock on the Word of God and um, have assurance of our faith and salvation through that, um, knowing that you are good and loving. And um, Lord, I just pray that we would open our hearts this morning and that your spirit would be present in this place. We welcome you here now. Um, we welcome you into our hearts. Um, I pray that any hard place in our heart that is not receptive to your truth, that you would break apart and um, you would enter in and uh, mold us into be more like Jesus. Um, help us to hear your truth and receive it with uh, with grace and excitement and um, joy, Lord. And just try to to serve you the best we can. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would work in our hearts because um, no, we know that um, we can hear your truth, but only you can make it happen in our hearts. Only you can. Um, bring it to fruition. So we just pray that you would do that this morning. Um, Lord, I pray for grace as I teach. Uh, I pray for uh, grace through this cough. Um, And Lord, I just uh, ask that your spirit would be the one teaching and move. Um, We praise you and we thank you for your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the first couple verses, verses 1 and 2, we look at, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, It's pretty clear that this book was written by um, Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples. Um, Peter was one of the few that were was really with Jesus for most of the time. Um, even when Jesus would go alone apart from disciples, a lot of times Peter would be one of the few that were able to, was able to follow. Um, he says, To those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, he calls our faith a precious faith, um, which is an interesting word to use for it. Um, when I think of precious, sometimes I think of delicate, or um, obviously you think of great value, something very dear to you. Um, so think, what are what are some things you consider precious in your life? Um, a lot of people would consider a close friend or family. Uh, my wife is certainly precious to me. Um, you know, some people will consider pets precious. Um, there, are, there are many things that could be considered precious to you. Um, but there are also... Items that could be precious to you. You know, there's like a precious diamond. There are precious gems. Um, and so if you think about it, um, those things are called precious stones. So those are usually, why are, why are the gems and things like that considered precious? precious? It's usually because they're unique and rare and ha- hold a certain value to you. Um, it stands out from all, all the other stones. Um, and it has this, this quality that is very appealing to you. Well, this faith that we have is, in Christ is a precious faith. Um, it's of more worth than gems or family. Um, Christ says, if you love your father or mother more than you love him, then you're unworthy of him. And that's how precious our faith is. Uh, it's, it's of a supreme preciousness, if you will. And like a precious gem, uh, we'll say a diamond, our faith is beautiful and glimmering. Um, it's different than anything else in the world. Not only is it pristine and eye-catching, it is solid, steadfast, unbreakable. Um, like a diamond, there is no stronger substance. Our faith is of strongest faith. Um, and just like our spouses and children, it is the sweetest thing, most dear to our hearts, um, at least most of the time, right? So when I was searching for a ring for Michelle, um, I was totally new to the game of buying diamonds. I'd never had to buy a diamond before. Uh, And uh, honestly, after that experience, I may never buy another one again (laughs) after how expensive they were. Sorry, honey. (laughs) Um, Very expensive, and and they're very detailed, and it's just a grueling process. Um, But I did, did discover something new. I discovered that they can make synthetic diamonds now. They can make diamonds that aren't real diamonds. It's crazy. And like to the untrained eye, to, to me or somebody just walking into a diamond shop, I mean, they look legitimately real. I mean, there's, they have the cut, the carrot, the clarity, they have all of the characteristics of a diamond. It, I mean, it's really crazy. The only way you could tell that it's a fake diamond is if a jeweler, someone with a trained eye, takes a microscope or whatever their tool is to look at a diamond and look at the very details of the diamond with the inner parts to see, and then by seeing the inner parts, they can tell if it's a real diamond or a fake diamond. Um, It's really interesting. But, again, only someone with a trained eye um, and the right tools can look at the inner parts of it and tell whether it's real or not. But the reality is whether or not, um, the reality is is that it's a fake diamond. You know, even though on the outside you can't tell if it's fake or not, the reality is it's not a real one. Um, And now, I don't say this to tell all the married women or the people who have diamonds out there to go to a jeweler and get their diamonds checked to see if your husband or your boyfriend got you a real diamond. Um, I just say that um, because this is exactly what's going on in the world with our faith. This is exactly the same thing. Um, there's a real authentic faith found in Christ and it's based on the word of God and there's, there's really nothing like it. There's no, nothing that is similar to it. There's nothing that has the same appeal to it. Um, It is divine and pure. It's holy and steadfast against the strongest adversity. Uh, Just like a diamond is rock solid, it's the hardest substance in the world. Our faith is the same. Um, It's inspired by the very breath of God and proven uh, by the blood of the Lamb and His resurrection. But there are other faiths out there that look very, very similar. They are appealing and seem to offer everything that our faith does. But the truth is, they 're not the true diamonds they 're not the true faith in christ um, they 're not the the only diamond um, only, but the thing is, only someone with a really trained eye can see this only someone who, can, who knows the faith can tell the difference between them. Um, those are the proper tools alone can tell Only those who know and have tasted the love of Christ and come to truly understand um, who he is and what he has done for us can really see. The difference between um, our faith and the others. So, the proper tools that we have are the Word of God um, and evidence of faith. Um, we have the tools to know Him better. Uh, you know, we have the, the ability to tell whether our faith is authentic or not because of Scripture. Um, and basically, the Word of God is our tool. Um, those instruments are God's Word, are our prayer in the church. We also have fellowship of believers to know whether or not our faith is authentic. Um, he has placed these things in, in this world to reveal to us our need for Christ. And once we realize how much we need Christ, we have to allow Him to enter our hearts, and then we begin to partake in the permanent relationship we have with the living God. Um, Once we have come to know him, then it becomes our duty and privilege to help other people recognize the fake diamonds in the world. Um, And we have to go for for the real one, the only only one that can truly save their souls. We experienced this a lot in Mexico this week. Um, A lot of people in Mexico are strong, strong Roman Catholic. Uh, They... They believe in a very strong religion, a very set way of life, um, and it's totally based on action and deeds and following a certain code and standard, um, which is not the truth. The truth is that we don't have to work for our salvation. There's no way we can work for our salvation, Um, but they're so blinded and deceived because it makes so much sense to do these things to get to heaven, Um, and, and so it's... When we go down there, it's very difficult sometimes to show them the true faith. It's really difficult to show them um, the reality. Um, But we use the tools God has given us. Um, We use our faith. We use the words God has given us. We use the word of God, and we use our uh, testimonies. Uh, But indeed, we do have a precious faith. And one day, even diamonds will fade away, but our hope in God will remain forever. Um, If we look at verses 2 through 4, I'll read them quickly. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the the corruption that is in the world through lust you know just just as a tangent here sometimes i like I read scripture, and there's two sentences, but they're so deep. I mean, you could, like, spend days studying just those two, two verses. Um, it's really, it's incredible. Uh, so we're going to look into this as much as we can here. Um, so Peter talks about uh, grace, and peace be, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This life that Peter refers to um, is referring to the life that's found in Jesus. It's not like, I was born and I'm alive. It's not that kind of life. It's like the, the livelihood, the life. It's, it's like the essence, the excitement, the joy, um, everything that makes a life. Um, so Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in reality, this life that we have obtained through faith is not our life. It's Christ's. It's Christ's life. He lives inside of us, and our life, once we accept Christ, is full of him, and that's the life that we've obtained. Um, We now have the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us, compelling us to obedience and calling us to relationship with the Father. Uh, we can if we would turn to uh John one one through thirteen we'll see uh we'll see another example of this life so I'll read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and, this, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, he refers to there the, the will of the flesh and the will of man. That, again, is, is talking about willing ourselves to salvation, working for salvation. That doesn't, that's not, not possible. That is not how you become a child of God. You become a child of God through believing in faith of Christ and believing in the resurrection, believing in the, the truth of, of Scripture. Um, that is how you become born of God. That is how you have a life in Jesus. Um, that is how we obtain life. Um, verse 7 says that that light, i um, talking about the light, uh, the light known as Jesus now lives inside of us as the Spirit, and if we look at, the, at why that life was sent, we see that it was that all through Him might believe. By the life that we have inside of us, we must live in obedience and truth. So that through him, the spirit inside of us, others might believe. God has given us this right to be his children by the light of the world who dwells inside of us. And because we are children of God by faith, we live to make him known just as we knew him. Or just as we know him too. Um, So because God considers us his children, he promised us an inheritance that we can't fully grasp yet. Um, an inheritance that's greater than anything we can dream, but he has given us a glimpse um, or glimpses of this inheritance through his promises. Some of these promises are being fulfilled in our lives as we are being sanctified, as we are becoming more like him, um, as we live our life and and serve him in obedience. Um, Others will be fulfilled when we go to our final rest with him, once we die and and go to be with him. And then some will be fulfilled when he returns. Um, but we, But here, um, here are just a few of them. Here are just a few of the, the promises. And there are, there are many of these, okay? So these are just ten that I picked out. So one, truth. He's promised us truth um, that we will know the truth and that we will find freedom in it. He promised us abundant life. He's promised us uh, through John 14, 12 through 14. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He promises promises us fullness of joy. Uh, He promises a future and a plan. He's got a purpose for us. He uh, promises us victory over sin. Victory over death. He promises the ability to move mountains. Um, Not not necessarily physical mountains, but the mountains in our lives, um, which are far greater than physical mountains. Uh, Of course, he promises eternal salvation. And he promises us newness. Quickly, I'll read... uh, Well, maybe not quickly, it's a long section. But I'll read uh, Revelation 21 as an example of this newness. Um, It's one of my favorite uh, scriptures. Um, it's, it's just so encouraging and exciting to read it because it is kind of the fullness of his promises all coming together at one moment. Um, it's Revelation 21, 1 through 8 is what I'll read. <clears throat> I'm going to need this water a lot more. All right. will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death that 's just one of the the greatest examples of christ 's promises coming to fullness, and so uh, it 's so good that we can have this um, joy and excitement in Christ uh, you know the the list of promises goes on and on, um, but we simply don 't have time to to list every promise that Christ has made, but as we continue on, we see more of god 's will and plan for our for our lives um, in this section, and we see a promise. Of a living, becoming a living and mature, um, faithful life. so if we look at verses uh, five through eight, um, I'll read them, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we continue on, or as we 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 see the promises of becoming a mature believer here, um, and we kind of see a step by step of how to become a mature believer. Um. You have to understand that you don't just become a mature believer overnight. It's not like a decision you make and, boom, I'm mature. Um, It's just like you're, as a baby, you don't make that decision to become an adult. It's just not how it works. Um, These things take time. Um, You know, it's it's a lifestyle. Uh, Maturity is a lifestyle that you lead for years and years and slowly, but surely God sculpts you into his vision for you. Um, The first thing Peter mentions here is diligence. Um, Which is consistency in our walks. So um, let's look at the steps to, or let's look at the steps to becoming a fruitful Jesus follower. Uh, I I know the like seven steps to becoming a fruitful Jesus follower is cliche, Um, and I know that there are a lot of teachers these days that do create those kind of formula sermons. They have these seven steps to success or five easy steps to financial security. Um, The and and I know those are cliche. Some are good, some are bad. Um, some don't make sense, whatever. Um, but the funny thing is that's really just a method of teaching used to take a complicated process and break it down into small steps so that we can understand it better. Um, but that whole idea of a step-by-step process wasn't originated in the you know, 20th century. Um, Peter uses it here. Uh, he, he does it nearly 2,000, 2000 years ago um, to break down how to become a mature believer and the characteristics of a mature believer. Um, so I'll go through some of these um so the first thing he mentions is diligence, which i have kind of written this this step by step thing, so um bear with me he says, or I say, you must be diligent to read scripture, you have to be diligent to pray and to engage with fellow believers, um, you must be diligent to to serve God and to share his faith, share your faith and to to help change lives, to be a light in the darkness um By doing these things, you will develop virtue. You will be transformed by the word and exhortation of the Lord to become a more virtuous person, which will in turn inspire you to continue in your diligence and learn more, adding to your faith. And adding to your faith knowledge through your understanding of Scripture and your consistency consistency to study it. You will learn the principles of God and who He is. You will begin to understand more about what Jesus really did for you. And you will then want to be more obedient in living a Christ-like life, helping you to gain self-control. Self-control, this is absolutely necessary to overcome temptation and become more like Jesus. You will gain the ability to deny yourself lustful pleasures because you understand why they are wrong and how not to partake in them and how to avoid them. Um, and avoiding them you will, benefit, uh, will benefit you more and your Savior more than giving into, rec- giving into them, receiving momentary pleasure and momentary satisfaction. Uh, by doing self-control consistently over time, you develop perseverance. Uh, perseverance um, is the consistency to uphold all the, all the other aspects that we just talked about, the self-control, knowledge, virtue, and diligence, um, through any circumstance that comes your way. Um, No matter what happens, life does not determine where your foundation lies, because your foundation is unshakable. When trial comes, you pray more. Um, You seek help, and you still worship, and joy never evades you. Um, Christ is your sustenance. You no no longer live on the bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. Um, When you practice such steadfastness and perseverance, you begin to see Christ in all you do, Um, and that can become attributed to you, which we don't really use this word in America very much, but as godliness. It can be considered godliness. Um, Being like um, God, being like Jesus. Um, When you begin to see the world through God's eyes, that's when you become genuinely kind, and your kindness takes root, it ends up becoming love. And love is kind of the fruition of all of these things together, um, and that's the ultimate characteristic of Christ that we have to follow. Now, understand that all of these do have one thing in common that we said earlier, and uh, it's that they all take time. It's not like you can just decide to be loving one day and you're loving. It's, it doesn't work that way. It takes um, practicing all of these steps at, uh, all the time to develop this love that Christ has, to develop the eyes that God has to see the world. Um, you know, you could probably put some sort of short thought into this and figure out how good you are at each one. Um, you know, they they kind of all work to fill in each other and make each one, of um, you know, diligence works to help you have virtue, but you probably have more than one on the other, and it's kind of a spectrum that you can measure, and you can probably take a look at your own life and see where you can improve in these things. I encourage you to do that, um, to look at these seven or eight things that Peter talks about, and see how you can improve them um, and maybe pick one and just pursue it. And often if you pick one, it's going to help the others improve naturally because they're so connected, just like diligence, for example. If you pick to pursue diligence um, you know, in, in Scripture and reading the Word and you're consistently reading the Word like you should be, that's naturally going to help you understand who God is and naturally going to help you um, work to serve the Lord better because you're going to understand Him better. Um, they 're not easy, these are not easy, um, but we have to pursue them as followers of christ um, there There are characteristics of a believer um, and it's it's uh you know we we should as a believer exhibit all of at least a little of all of these things um, and we we have to pursue them with, with our our lives and obedience to christ um, if we look at verses nine and ten, we see that It says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from the old sins. So Peter here is talking to believers um, this whole chapter. Um, He says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So these things are the evidence of a true believer. Um, One who is not working to improve these things will miss out on the blessings of a relationship with Christ. Um, you know, you can, you can be a believer and not really pursue these things. Um, at, at some point in your life, you will, because that's just part of being a believer. If you don't pr- practice these ever, it's likely you know, your salvation was never genuine. Um, but it, it, this is a matter of testimony. Um, living out these lives, these, these characteristics, is, helps you become more... Um, or helps other people see you um, at, like Jesus. They help they help you to people to see you and see the characteristics of Christ. Um, you know, Peter is not saying that salvation is dependent on these things. We need to understand that salvation is not dependent on our diligence to read the word. Um, but to prove you are called, um, he, he's saying that these are important to prove to others that you are called, um, that you are a Christ follower. Um, and that your salvation is sure, to prove to others that your salvation is sure. Um, You know, if you profess Jesus but are short-sighted and blind, how can you prove that Jesus is real? How can you tell others of something you don't know, really? Um, You know, it's like a blind person trying to teach someone how to drive. You know, they've they've potentially ridden in the car, they hear the cars drive by, they probably kind of know how it feels to ride in one. And they could probably describe those things to you, but they could not tell you actually how to get in, turn the car on, hit the gas and drive, and put your blinker on and turn right. Um, so if you're not living these things out, how can you lead others to know Christ? Verse 11, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Jesus, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have this idea of kingdom being this futuristic, like, one day I will die and enter his kingdom kind of thing. I will go to heaven. Uh, but we need to understand the the kingdom of God is here right now. Um, you know, by living in conviction, you can enter into his kingdom and see the world through God's eyes. Romans 14, 17, and 19. You don't have to flip there. I'm sorry. My pen fell out of my mark, my, uh, my space, so I have to turn there. So if we look at Romans fourteen seventeen through 19, we, we actually see a little bit of the, a description of the kingdom of God, and so it helps us to understand what it is. Uh, Paul in Romans says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So we see here that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy—all those things we are called to have here on this earth. Um, So we need to understand that um, the present kingdom is full of these things, and that's what we're living in now. Um, You know, if if we think of of the kingdom being as um, eternity, you know, something that's far off after death, we end up missing a lot of the present kingdom. You know, God is present with us in our hearts now, and the Lord is in this place, and he's present with us now. Um, The truth of the gospel is the reality we live in. What is seen with the eye is temporary, and it will pass away. But the word of the Lord, the truth of the gospel, will remain forever. As we are called to to enter into Christ's kingdom, let us live in it even today. Um, Let us enter into his kingdom today and serve God in His kingdom, even as we live. Um, help us. Let's, let's understand that um, it's. It really is easy sometimes just to think of our faith as this thing that comes to fruition in eternity, um, and then we miss the point and we miss the present. So we need to focus and, and remember that um, our, our salvation and the salvation of others is a. a it needs to happen today. It's. It's something that can happen today and God is living with us and dwelling inside of us and so our faith is real today. It's not something that just we'll we'll experience tomorrow. Uh, We can experience God's love and grace today. If we look at verses 12 through 15, for this reason, I will not, now this is Peter talking to the believers again. Um, This is a really interesting part. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. And as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So Peter tells us that these things are um, th- these things we know they're the things we know, but we have to be reminded of. You know, how often do you have to re- be reminded of what you know? I know after I've had a four-year degree, there are still so many things I could go back, and I need reminding of it, um, especially if I end up going into a teaching job. I've, there are things that I'm going to have to go back and look at my notes and be reminded of um, so that I, I can teach to my best ability. You know, it's, it's just a very common idea. It's a very common principle that, over the course of our lives, we we learn things and there are things that we we know, but we don't practice and sometimes we just need a reminder um, to help us live that out. Um, And often the reminder kind of spurs us on to be excited um, and remember the lesson that we learned um, so that we can reapply it to our life again. Um, So Peter wanted to make sure that the believers he was writing to have a permanent reminder of these things um, through his letter. You know, He was writing a letter on paper so that they could always have this letter to remind them. Um, the funny thing was is that Peter was probably writing to this group and so that this group of people has to have a reminder. Um, what he didn't realize is that his letter would be a reminder to all believers for all of time. Um, it's, it's just amazing. Um, so, you know, let's... Within our church, it's something that's important for us to remind each other of the truth of God. It's important for us to remind one another of what we have learned and what we've experienced together um, as fellow believers. And this is one of those things where being diligent in our faith to remind each other is very important, um, to exhort one another and to encourage one another to to learn and to live by what we've learned here in church and lived in our lives. So. Make sure that you evaluate yourself, and sometimes you have to be bold and diligent to, or bold to remind somebody of what they have learned because sometimes that's not easy. Um, so, but let's make sure that we're doing that within our church. Let's make sure we're doing that with each other and encouraging one another because um, only by doing that and reminding one another constantly of what we have learned can we really um, live fruitful lives for Christ and live to our potential as Christ wants our church to, to be. Uh, you know, another interesting point here to note is that Peter refers to his physical body as a tent. Michelle and I just got back from Mexico, as we talked about earlier. Um, And this year we went to a summer camp um, that one of our brother churches in Mexico puts on each year around this time. And uh, so, so we had to go and set up a tent, and everyone slept in a tent on this campground. And to be honest, it was pretty disgusting. I mean, people didn't shower, it rained all the time, it literally rained I think every day but one. And I think that one day that it didn't rain, it did rain at night. And so it was just, I mean, everything was wet and nasty. Um, We we jokingly, the uh, group of us had a nasty word of the day just because it was so gross there. And honestly, at some point, it was really inconvenient to sleep in that tent. I mean, we would get done with some of our stuff around 12:30. We'd go to bed at one, um, or we would try to go to bed at one. And then it was just—I mean, you're not in your own bed, and so it's just you're you're outside. And um, (laughs) our tent was set up with the girls' section, and so it was just very loud. And and, oh man, it was just—it was really difficult to sleep sometimes. Um, Later, near the end of the week, we were so tired that we fell asleep easier, but we still only would get short hours of sleep, and it was just not a comfortable experience. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the experience of a tent. Even when you go camping somewhere, you know, kind of the least convenient part of going camping is sleeping in the tent. Um, But the cool thing about the tent and about the camp in Mexico is that we slept in it four nights. We only had to sleep in it four nights, and we got to pack it back up, we got to go to our host family's house and sleep in a bed, and last night we were able to sleep in our own bed. And so over like a a tent is just a temporary thing that's uncomfortable. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to do. Sometimes it's really nasty and dirty and grimy, and you just have to do it. Um, But the cool thing is, is it's temporary. One day we'll get to pack it up, and we'll get to go home, and um, we'll get to sleep in our own bed. And so just like Michelle and I went and... Slept in a tent at this camp in the middle of Mexico where there are no showers. Um, (coughs) We're home. We packed it up. We're home, sleeping in our own bed, showering in our own showers. Um, So our bodies are the same way. They're only temporary vessels. We're here for a very short time, and it's often a very uncomfortable, a very difficult time. But we only have them um, for this short period that we're here on this earth. And one day we will pack them up and we will get to go home. And we'll get to, this, get to go to this place where there, is no, there are no more tears. It's not dirty. You know there, there are no um, nasty words of the day. And we just get to, to be in this perfection. Um, so let's re- be reminded when things are difficult and things are tough on this earth, um, all the difficulties of this world are not worthy to be compared of the promises that Christ has in store for us. Um, there, there are so many good things that we have that God has for us and um, you know what's 68 years compared to eternity what's 80 years compared to eternity you know so we have, if we keep this eternal perspective of what God has done for us and what he's going to keep in our hearts um, you know why not live this life to our fullest live this life um, to, as best we can serving God um, in all discomfort Because it's not comfortable serving God. It's not comfortable serving Jesus all the time. Um, Often we have to get our hands dirty, and often it is really, really bad circumstances. We have to enter in and try and clean up for the sake of the gospel. Um, But it's only temporary, and one day we won't have to do that again. Um, So I encourage you, even if you're tired, even if you're exhausted, even if um, you're getting three hours of sleep a night and and working hard and um, your brain is foggy, Try um try to serve God. Be obedient to the Lord. Still read your read Scripture and just give your life over to God, um, and obedience to Him, and the the fruit um, will be plentiful. And uh, you know God is faithful. It's one of the promises He made that if we are ben- ben- that if we are obedient, our lives will be fruitful. Um, and then one day we'll get to go be with Him and be at peace. And live and worship in presence of our God, our great and glorious God, um, in reward to our precious faith that He has given us. Um, You know, Peter. Peter talked about that just as in historical context. The Lord had shown to him that he was going to die soon, and most of us don't get that. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, um, but Peter knew he was going to he was going to die soon, and so he he shared this letter. Um, as a reminder, because he knew that he wouldn 't be there to remind them personally, um, and he did actually I think he he died very shortly after writing this letter um, within a couple years. Uh, it may have been less than a year so we 'll move on sixteen through eighteen. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, and we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. So this is commonly called the Transfiguration. And as I said earlier, Peter was one of the few disciples that got to go with Jesus when many of the other disciples didn't get to go with Jesus. Um, And so we can turn to the Transfiguration. We'll read a little bit about it. Um, It's Matthew 17. And it's actually just a couple verses. But it's actually really amazing. It's eight verses, Matthew 17, 1 through 8. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here the three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. At this point, Peter hadn't gotten the idea that Jesus was Christ the Lord. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes... They saw no one but Jesus only. I don't know about you, but this reminds me a lot of a salvation experience. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that moment when you realize that you are broken, you are helpless, and you are sinful, and you are really apart from God for eternity. And when you have that recognition, you fall on your face before God in fear of His, of his judgment and His righteousness. And sure enough, Christ will come to you and say, do not be afraid, um, because by the blood of the Lamb, we don't have to be afraid of eternal judgment. Because as we talked about in Revelation 21, we have this promise of eternal life. You know, Peter was, was at the transfiguration. He heard, he audibly heard God speak over his son. He audibly heard that. How cool would that be? That would be crazy. I think I'd probably fall on my face too. Um, Peter was not only an eyewitness of Jesus' life, but he was also a testimony Our testament to Jesus being declared Christ from God the Father. Uh, You know, he speaks with conviction about the majesty of Jesus because of his experiences with Christ. Uh, He states that our faith is not made up of a fallacy or something that's been made up. He's speaking of what he has seen and heard. He's speaking of the testimony that he has. he reassures us of the truth that he knows, and because of this, we can be sure that the scripture is truth and solid. Because of the testimony of Peter um, and other disciples, I mean that's a, that's a crazy experience to witness. And you know, I th- you think if someone would see that, they would be they would want to share that. They would have to share that. You, they'd be compelled to share that. And Peter was, and he shares it with us here. It's not something made up. He reassures us that it's not just this fake religion or fake diamond that we're looking at. This is the reality of Scripture. This is the reality of Christ's life. 19 through 21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Remember John 1. Until this day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, Knowing the first, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is a verse in Scripture that um, assures us that Scripture is the truth, that Scripture is not written by man, and it wasn't just this crazy religion that someone sat down one day and wrote and said, Let's see how I can make people believe something and just wrote for days. And, you know, one person couldn't write all this. Um, you know, Peter's declaring that every word that has been written in Scripture has been declared by God. The Spirit has moved in the lives of His followers and they wrote. They may have been physically writing and they may be um, physically putting the words, putting the pen to the paper um, or the ink to the paper at the time. And, but Jesus... And the Spirit was the one working through them and inspiring their ideas and their thoughts um, to make Scripture. You know, there is no other text like Scripture in history. There is no other text that so consistently over time um, makes the same argument, makes the same points, and comes to the same conclusion. I mean, it was written over thousands and thousands of years without one contradiction. Um, There are so many prophecies within the Old Testament and the New Testament that have been fulfilled. I mean, historical documentation um, proves that the prophecy that has been written in Scripture has occurred. Um, and many, and the, and the cool thing is another assurance that scripture is solid and infallible is that the majority of prophecy has been fulfilled. The majority of it has happened already. And so we we have physical, literal evidence that this book is truth the cool thing is that there's still a few prophecies that haven't been fulfilled. But we can take um, courage knowing that these prophecies will 100% for sure be fulfilled. Um, you know, the coming of Christ, that will happen. We, we know that Jesus came, died, rose again. That's been fulfilled. 500 people witnessed, witnessed that, um, his resurrection, plus the disciples. The disciples dispersed, speaking of what they've seen. And uh, our faith was created in that moment. Um, well the, the second part of our faith the grace period um, you know that, that is evidence and then on top of that um, we know that Christ will return again we can take hope and confidence in scripture knowing that Christ will return again uh, you know we can we can take hope knowing that the, that scripture we read in Revelation 21 is true you basically consider that it, that it is truth and, ha- and is going to happen you know, if we could look into the future and look back, I'd be confident saying that happened, you know, and it, and it will. Um, we have that assurance of our faith um, just, uh, through Scripture. You know, we, we read John 1, and it talks about the Word of God becoming flesh, and that's Jesus Christ. And so when we read this, we are building our relationship with Christ. We we come to know Him better. We come to serve the Lord better. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning. Um just going back to the characteristics of a mature believer, I would really encourage you this morning to um, re-energize your study with the Word, re-energize your prayer life, uh, re-energize your time here in church. Um, those three things are, are, are such a basis for our desire for Christ. They're such a basis for our relationship with Christ. And if they're not there, the rela- our relationship, relationship with Christ really suffers um, and, and our obedience to Him really wanes. And so I really encourage you this morning to, to really start diving into Scripture more, to start praying more, um, and to really be invested in our church and in our fellowship of believers and in Christ's church, really. Because um, this is not ours. This is God's. Uh, things that He has given us here, they're not ours. We're simply stewards of them. And uh, we really have to be good stewards of them, living in obedience um, so with the last thought, you know, let us partake in this kingdom of heaven that God's placed before us and wholeheartedly trust through faith that the word of God is what it is, um, that we may be mighty servants for the Lord going forward um, as a light into the darkness, um, into the dark places of the world, shedding the light, um, the morning star to those um, who do not have him, um, that all may come to glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. and You are so loving. Um, Lord, your, your promises are incredible and who you are being made known to us in your word. Um, thank you so much for this manual that you've given us um, as believers that we can really look at it if we ever have any questions or anything, Lord, that uh, you um, quench our thirst through your word. That you sent your word to live here on this earth and die for us. And that you put it in literal writing. That we can open up a book and read and hear your word and hear your truth and become more like Christ. Simply through reading and speaking to you. God, your ways are so high and your purposes are so much better than ours. Lord, so often in our lives, we think we have things figured out and we think we've got a good plan in place. We think we know what you want. But you always reveal to us that what we think you want is not nearly as good as what you actually want. So Lord, I pray that this morning we would open our lives to your purpose, to your perfect plan. That we would seek your truth in all that we do, that we would seek to live as mature believers in your present kingdom here on this earth so that others may come to know you and know this same joy, this same satisfaction, the same pleasure that we have in knowing you. This same relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Savior of our souls who took our punishment and our condemnation, and overcame the very thing that binds us so tightly here on this earth in our flesh. Jesus is alive. And He is alive in us. And it is a privilege for us to serve You, Lord. It is an honor to be used by You. So may the reality of your life and our hearts be made known to us more fully that we can live obedient lives to you with such great satisfaction and joy understanding that this life here and the difficulties of this life are just temporary. They're just not going to last that long compared to how long we will get to live with you. And as difficult as they are, Lord, God, may you you be made strong in our weakness. Be glorified in our lives. Shine light in the darkness through our hearts. And may we become more like you. For the glory and honor of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Through him, we come before you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.